Hello, this is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the From the Touchline podcast. Well, we've had a great past month with so many different guests, from Rev Billy Servany in Nashville to catching up with former pro midfielders Greg Dalby and Wells Thompson, and I'm working on having more special guests in the weeks to come. But today, wanting to take a little bit of a break from the special guests and address an increasing issue that we're seeing today in the light of COVID-19, especially here in the U.S., but I think there are echoes of it globally as well. So don't go far. When we come back, we're going to talk about keepers. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! If you know anything about football or soccer, you will know that there is one unique position on the field for the beautiful game, that of the goalkeeper, or as we often say for short, the keeper. In my many years of serving as a volunteer chaplain with the Colorado Rapids, I've had the good privilege of getting to know many of the keepers, and I call a number of them good friends. I even enjoy putting on gloves and getting between the sticks in a pickup game myself. I don't know why, but I have a strange affinity for the goalkeeper position. The keeper is a unique position, as I said, the only player on the field that can touch the ball with their hands, although this is constrained to a designated box in front of the goal. It's generally understood that keepers are different. They're a different breed. In fact, some are said to be crazy because of the different mentality they often have to have in approaching the game. And the more I go on, you know, the more I'm thinking we need to get a goalkeeper on the podcast here soon. But today I want to talk about a different type of keeper. Yeah, you probably figured I would flip the switch here sooner or later. Well, let's get some context. Last week, one of my daughters asked me the question, Dad, what are you? Her question was a culmination of the past week, with a couple of family dinners, some visits to a few friends, and local news reports going on. The conversations had seen some raised voices most very vocal and frustrated around their restrictions in place because of coronavirus. The political divisions in the U.S. becoming very noticeable, with a lot of finger-pointing. Democrats who are conspiring to blame the president, Republicans who want to return to the health and prosperity of the days before COVID-19, restaurant owners defiant of local orders to only open with social distancing practice and curbside services, people rallying and protesting against liberal measures, people frustrated people divided. So my nine-year-old wanted to know, what are you, Daddy? Republican or Democrat? I thought how interesting that the sharp divisions in our nation and in our state and local municipalities have become clearly obvious to even a nine-year-old. And in a time when we typically have seen people unite and come together, here are the deep seeds of bitterness and anger and frustration that threaten to divide, at least in the U.S. context, people further apart. What has been most distressing to me, though, are responses and attitudes from people that have identified themselves as Christian or followers of Jesus Christ. So if you're listening to the podcast and you don't identify that way, either by virtue of faith or religion, pardon me while I take some time to give my fellow Christian brothers and sisters what some may call an exhortation. Or you might say it's an urgent urging, an encouragement or admonishment. 
To do so, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to read it, but I want to encourage you to study it and reflect on it this week. To set up the context, Adam and Eve have been socially distanced, separated from God. Now, we don't know how long it's been since last they stepped foot in the lush garden of Eden and how it had begun the hard work of subduing the earth, but we read this account in the beginning of Genesis chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I'm going to stop right there. Listen to those last words of Cain again. Am I my brother's keeper? The spirit of Cain Well, it's alive and well during this COVID-19 pandemic. That incredulous question, which isn't even a question, as much as it's a wickedly callous statement of indifference. Commentators have said that with Abel being a shepherd, you could almost read Cain's question as a, or his statement as a, am I supposed to shepherd the shepherd? It's a direct affront to his brother. And Cain has blatantly lied to God, claiming not to know about where his whereabouts are. But like a sarcastic teenager, Cain goes one further. He puts the keeping of his brother up in God's face. Now, the truth is, there's no command anywhere in the scriptures, certainly not up to this point, stating that one is to be his brother's quote-unquote keeper. To be a keeper in the ancient sense would have meant that you're keeping your eye on someone's activities every minute of the day. Well, that's a bit much. The Hebrew verb here, shamar, is usually used in describing God's relationship to the nation of Israel. He is the keeper. God is the one who never slumbers or sleeps in this covenantal relationship. It is God who actively preserves a people, and it's his sustaining activity that are part of his assumed responsibility. It's a, it's a responsibility that he's taken on himself. So Cain's response to God might be read as a certain type of defiance. God's already warned Cain. God already issued Cain the yellow card warning, something I've spoken about in another podcast. But now, now comes the red card. Let me read on in verse 10. The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. 
I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Well, I'm going to stop there. You know, truthfully, there's a part of me that struggles to have compassion for Cain. God warned him. He gave him a chance to change his ways, to choose the right direction. God even gave Cain an opportunity to confess and come clean once he had killed his brother. But Cain doesn't budge. In fact, he throws it back in God's face. And then after hearing the verdict and the punishment, Cain cries out, It's more than I can bear. Serves you right, Cain. But then I realize, I'm as much Cain as Cain is. I'm not my brother's keeper. Some of you know I have a brother. I don't know that I've ever uttered those words, but more than likely, we could ask my folks, but maybe I have. But there's so many ways in which that spirit of Cain, we don't even have to say those kinds of words. Today, we say it differently. We say things like, well, I'm not going to wear a mask, or I don't need to practice social distancing. Or we say, I'm not going to stop doing what I've always been doing. We have a total disregard for others, especially when it interferes with our comfort or our convenience. You see, Cain's sin is rooted in bitterness and envy. He wants what his brother has, but he doesn't want to do what is required. Cain is half-hearted at best and riddled with this jealousy. Now, a Hebrew scholar on the book of Genesis might comfort us at this point and remind us, look, there's no command to keep one's brother. But a scholar of the whole of Scripture would be quick to point out that the call for the people of God isn't just to keep. The call is to do more than that. The call is to love. The call is to go the extra mile, and not just for the people that are easy to do this for, but even for an enemy. Hear me clearly. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not just called to be a keeper. We are called to be more. We are called to love. Jesus lays it out clearly in Matthew 5, 43 through 44 for his friends and followers. He said, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Hold on tightly to these words of Jesus, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor was a commonly used phrase amongst the Jewish people as it was reflected in the Levitical law. But the religious leaders of the day had developed interpretations for this, especially with the violent oppression that was going on at the hands of the Romans. But Jesus flips it. Jesus reinterprets what has become lost. Jesus reframes and expands the command. He tells them, love your enemies. The word for love here that's used is the Greek word agape. It is a love that is divinely led and instilled. It is a love that cannot be cast aside by where a person comes from or how a person treats or mistreats us. To love with agape love is to love as God would have us love. And it's not about being a keeper. You know, it's nothing new. This attitude and spirit of Cain, it's remarkably visible in Jesus' day. We read in Luke 10, 25-37, that an expert in the scriptures once asked Jesus how he might inherit eternal life. And as the dialogue unfolds, we see this religious expert seeking for a way to justify himself. And he goes on and he asks this question. He says, and who is my neighbor? Jesus telling of the parable of the Good Samaritan follows. Now, I think, we always fail to realize the shock that this story would have had on Jesus' friends and followers and the listeners around. 
He was commending the actions of the Samaritan. And everybody who was a good Jew knew nothing good comes from Samaria. Samaritans were to Republicans as Democrats are, or vice versa, or insert your own political or ethnically clashing groups. You know, this is a time, this time is so critical for Christian people because we are called to love in the midst of coronavirus. We are called to love in the midst of our quarantines and lockdowns and shelter in place and stay at home regulations. We're called to love in the midst of social distancing and all the different rules and regulations and all the confusion associated with it. And the love that we as Christian people are to have is a love that must be firmly rooted in God. There is no way to love an enemy, let alone our family or our closest neighbors, if we are not connected to and seeking to love God. And Jesus makes this clear later in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Listen to this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I love this passage of scripture because Jesus throws in two bonus answers to the test question thrown his way. It's almost as if he says, hey, I won't just give you the answer you're looking for, but I'm going to anticipate where you might go with your thinking further. And I'm going to go there with you. Friends, and and I'm really just addressing my Christian brothers and sisters here, especially. I commend you to press pause in the midst of our COVID-19 pandemic and answer this question. Are you living in the spirit of Cain or in the spirit of Christ? Are you filled with jealousy, frustration, Bitterness and anger? Is your face downcast? Are you struggling because you don't want to wear a mask? You don't want to social distance? You don't want to keep clothes down? Are you in your heart or by your actions making those ancient statements? Am I my brother's keeper? And who's my neighbor? Or are you filled with love? Agape love. For the government official, for the one wearing a mask, for the one who isn't from your political party, Are you ready to love your enemy? Are you praying for those persecuting? To close out today, I want to offer a confessing prayer, as maybe we have not been good keepers as we ought to have been. We need to remember the way that Jesus reframed for his followers how we are to live out this life as Christians. So maybe if that's you, maybe if you've answered the question, no, I've I've been living in the spirit of Cain, maybe you would just simply pray in the same spirit as I pray this prayer. Father, we confess that in this time we've lived out that old damnable spirit of Cain. We've disregarded the well-being of our brothers and our sisters. We've desired our own comfort, our own convenience above others' safety. We've ignored guidelines and restrictions from our governing leaders and authorities. We've marched, protested, and rallied for our rights. And our bitter hearts respond, am I my brother's keeper? We fail to rightly recognize our neighbor. We would never hope to even consider what loving our enemies might look like. Even if it were as simple as wearing a mask, 
or changing our lifestyle and habits for a time or for a season. Forgive us, Father, we pray. Help us to live as Christ. Help us to love as Christ. Help us to keep as Jesus keeps. Give us strength to turn the other cheek. Give us boldness to give away the shirt, even as our coat is taken from us. Give us endurance not to just go one mile, but to go two or more. And in doing so, may we be known by our love. In doing so, may we become sons and daughters of you, Father in heaven. Amen. This is Rev. Brad coming to you from the Touchline.